Today on Lockdown Red Wings, we welcome back Will Scouch of Scouching and McKean's Hockey to help us break down the prospect profiles of both Jonathan LeCarrie-Mackey and Brad Lambert. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a producer over at 97 on the ticket. Well, Scotty is host at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today, Scotty, we are welcoming back Will Scouch of Scouching and a video analyst for McKean's Hockey. Scouch was on with us just a couple weeks ago to do another prospect profile. We're bringing him back today to do two because, Scotty, we kind of realized that the draft is coming up very quickly. And we need to we need to start pro, uh, profiling more of these prospects a little bit more often. So, Will, thanks for coming back on, man. We appreciate it. Oh, guys, happy to be back. It's a pleasure. Uh, good to see you again. It's good to see you too. Um, let's just get right into it, I suppose, because we got two guys to cover here on today's episode. And let's start with Jonathan Lacare Mackey. We'll start with Lacare Mackey because you're a big Brad Lambert guy. So I wanted you to be able to have. <laughs> the second half of this episode to just geek out. But Kara Mackey is a guy I've seen. He's um, a Swedish left winger, right winger, rather apologies. He's five foot 11, 172 pounds. He played this last season with, I'm going to try my best Gear gardens. IF. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that way wrong of the SHL. They ended up getting relegated to the division two hockey. Allsvenskan division. Um, what have yeah, you seen it, out of, I'm trying my best. I'm really trying my best. <laughs> what have you seen will out of this, uh, right winger? Yeah. Um, I, I like Jonathan Lakaramaki. Like if you, if you want a guy who can really shoot the puck, like to the point where it's cleft in twain, then, uh, Lakaramaki is a good option. He's a, he's a guy who I think has really, really interesting pre-shot skill, you know, the release on his shot is probably amongst the best is, is amongst the best in the draft, possibly ab- ab- at, the, at the top. Um, I think he, he's an interesting one because he fits this mold of player that I've seen over the years of really, really extraordinary finishing talent, but that's kind of where the things sort of stop. It, it, he's, he's, he's gotten a lot better over the course of the season in terms of getting comfortable at pro hockey pace. The first few games I saw of him in the SHL were pretty ineffective, but down the stretch, he seemed to get his feet under him a little bit better, a little more comfortable in terms of driving possession up the ice, controlling pucks a little bit better, not trying to overdo it. Um, and he got a little more comfortable in that area as opposed to just being a guy who strictly relies on finishing to sort of make his money. But I think he's a guy that at the NHL level will probably be that type of player where, you know, he might be in your middle six somewhere, you know, like a really good third line scorer, but on your power play or a good second line guy, but also on your power play cranking shots, you know, on, on, on the bumpers or not on the bumper, but like in the faceoff circle or something. Um, but he fits this mold of guys that I've seen over the years. Alexander Holtz was a great example of really, really good finishers, but their shot selection and overall ability to drive possession was very poor. Um, Lakaramaki had real struggles driving dangerous shot attempts for he had, I'm looking at it now. I think it's the, 
he was bottom five in terms of generating dangerous shots when he was on the ice for his team. Um, you know, 70, no, 65% of his shot attempts were low danger, but he took 35% of the shots when he was on the ice that his team took. So he's a guy who loves to shoot the puck and loves to shoot it from everywhere. And it worked out a lot, but uh, he's a player that I think if he wants to hit his potential, I think there's room for improvement in terms of diversifying his offensive game and, and maybe not relying on shooting so much, but you also don't want to take away too much from what makes him special because the, the shot quality that he has is definitely, definitely special. I mean, one of the biggest things that I, I mean, that you, you kind of notice right away is where he's mocked throughout like all the websites and all the, you know, like scouting lists and, and mock drafts and everything. I mean, anywhere from, like in the top 10, like eight or nine, all the way to, you know, the back part of 20. Like, is there a, he seems, and that's a kind of a reoccurring thing we've seen with a lot of people this year, but why maybe the, the vastness and the diverse diversity in, you know, where he's mocked to go. I think, again, I think an interesting thing that's happening just as a general point in the scouting community is that people are beginning to, I think, divert from, historical norms a little more and getting a little more confident in their abilities to read players. And I think some people who really prioritize finishing quality and say, Hey, scoring is really hard to do. And this guy can shoot the puck better than anyone. They'll probably be more prone to putting that guy higher in the draft. Whereas some people who might go, I think there needs to be more to the picture for him to get in a position to finish and they might look at him and go, yeah, he's not the quickest guy. He's not the most skilled player. He's not the most agile. You know, he kind of needs other guys to sort of do the dirty work and heavy lifting to get pucks up the ice a little bit more often than you would like for a guy that you're drafting, say, top 10, even though he's got a great shot. And they might devalue that um, and and put him a little bit further back in the first round. I just locked in my rankings today uh, for, for the end of the year, and he's at 15. So I kind of split the difference. I think that you can... You can find a role for him in the NHL in terms of shooting pucks. You know, he's young for the draft. Um, you know, he's got a lot going for him in terms of offensive potential in the offensive zone. And I feel like he did get a lot more comfortable at higher pace and against tougher competition as the year went on. Um, but I do personally prefer players that bring a little bit more to the procedural part of the game rather than just finishing, you know, especially if we're talking really, really high draft picks. Like, around beyond the top 10 is around where I get really comfortable saying I want guys who can finish, you know, the guys up top are the guys that I think can drive play and maybe finish, but really the guys who all the little things around the game to keep play moving in the right direction. Cause that's hard to do in the NHL, but that's what I'm interested in. Um, but finishing is important. And I think that Lakaramaki is a guy who does it better than most players in this year's draft, at least in terms of just, taking a hockey puck and placing it behind a goaltender from anywhere in the offensive zone. So I think it's a matter of who prefers what in a young player. Um, and I don't think there's a wrong answer. Like I think if you get him at 20, you're laughing. Like that's a, that's a really interesting sort of offensive swing. Um, but I can also see why at 20 in five years, he might be a guy where you might be looking at him going, well, where's the scoring? because he doesn't have this like really well-rounded sort of offensive game and he might not be with the right supporting cast. It's really going to depend on where he goes and what they see him as and what they think his development plan could be. Cause there's a lot of options, but uh, he's, he's interesting. He's really, really interesting. And I think he brings a lot of really 
solid characteristics to the offensive zone, especially that, that could help pretty much anyone. Like any NHL team could use a guy who can shoot like Jonathan Lakaramaki. It's just who you surround him with and what you're leaving on the board at the draft. You, you mentioned right off the bat, just that, that ability to score from the circle. And, you know, there have guys been in the guys in the NHL who have succeeded at, at that, namely guys like Brett Hull and Alexander Ovechkin, who are currently seeing, which is great. But I also immediately got flashbacks to the Red Wings' own um, attempts at players like that in guys like Martin Furk and Timu Pulkinen, Timu Pulkinen, who had set the record at the AHL level for, for uh, goal scoring for the Grand Rapids Griffins at the time. And as soon as you said that, like my gut reaction was like, ah, never. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'll pass on a guy who can, who's only one-dimensional, can only score. But you did mention that he is improving on some aspects of his game. And I guess my question is because of the fact that his team, uh, Deer Garden, is being relegated to the second division, how much of his, let's say, struggles at his at the SHL level were because of him and his style of play, or how much of it was it be because of the players he was surrounded with? Uh I mean, I think he's he he was a guy who it wasn't very involved in offensive transitions from my viewpoint. He's not a guy who was passing the puck particularly often, nor was he hitting his targets particularly often. Um, like he sits like on my, on my list of forwards right now, he's 51st in pass attempts, 55th in completing passes and 59th in offensive transitions, 53rd maintaining possession. Like he was playing in a men's league and like across the board, that's, I, I would say, okay. Um, I would want a little bit more out of him in that area. So I guess part of it you could put on him. And I think a big thing you can also point to is like I mentioned earlier, like all, over a third of his team's shots with him on the ice are coming off of his stick. But of those uh, only 35% are from scoring areas. So I'm looking at that going, all right, like you mentioned guys like Timu Pulkinen. And I think that, you know, it's interesting. Alex Holtz is the example I keep going back to as well, where I watched him a bit in the NHL this year, then went back and watched him at the AHL. And I think it's just a, a thing I always keep in mind is that the NHL is really hard and, and a lot less not, ice, a lot less ice. Teams don't give ice. you space. So teams don't give you time space. They don't, they don't screw around. Um, and, and the guys that stick, they know that, that that's how they play. And so for me, when I look at Jonathan Lakaramaki, I see, okay, well, what about off puck? Does he float into open space and, and try to get into that dangerous space off puck and, and try to make plays there? And I just don't really see that. He's a guy who's more of a catch and release shooter. Like he, he kind of, another player that kind of reminds me of this is like Vitaly Kravtsov. You know, are those, are guys like that guys that you draft in the top 10? I mean, again, you can make statements about Kravtsov and how the Rangers have handled him and how things have gone personally there and, and how that hasn't been great. But that just goes back to my thing about it depends on who's drafting him and what your plans are with him. Um, Alexander Holtz, I think you they're doing the right thing. They're letting him come along slowly. They're not rushing him to the NHL. They tried him out. Didn't, you know, he wasn't shooting the lights out in the NHL. I don't think he scored a goal in the time he had with the Devils. But he went back to the AHL, still seems to be getting better. Um, you know, guys like Ily Tolvanen is another one where, you know, it took him a little bit longer, but now you're starting to see maybe, maybe not the top 10 guy people thought Tolvanen was, but, you know, 50 point guy, 40, 50 point guy that can score on the power play and shoot the lights out, which is great. You, you, th those are good to have. It's just with Lakaramaki, is he going to be the next one of those guys? And I always am skeptical of 
players that struggle to get inside. And he's one of these guys that I think does that. And even at the under 20 level, I felt that he would, he did that a little bit too often, but uh, it can be worked on. It's just something that you have to be aware of and then, and deal with and, and move forward with. So part of it, I think is maybe his surrounding cast, uh, I think, but also I, I get the feeling that when you look at his surrounding cast, especially at the under 18s, guys like Liam Ogren and, and, and Noah Osland on his line, I felt that Ogren was sort of the Zach Hyman of that group, and Noah Osland was the bus driver who sort of glued everything together, moved pucks, and moved his feet really well. So I can't really fault the guys he's playing on a line with because they did a lot of really good work, and he was sort of the one putting the cherry on top, which is great. Um, and he does it really well. He's got real high-quality cherries to put on top, but it's just a matter of how much you value that. So he's one where I have a lot of question marks. Like I could see him getting drafted top 10, like Vitaly Kravtsov kind of at the time. And, and maybe it takes time to sort of hit that top 10 potential, but it's not impossible. But I also could see a world where teams see kind of what I see. And maybe he slips a little bit further than what some people might expect based on how well he can finish a hockey puck. Well, if they're not seeing what Will Scouch sees, then they're not doing their job. That's all I have to say. Okay, right? let's, let's slow down <laughs> right. here a little. Let's right. slow down. You yeah, said that, right. not me. <laughs> uh, uh, we're going to finish off our LeCare Mackey talk and get into some Brad Lambert profiling. But first, got to talk to you guys today about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked down in there. How did you ha- How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you will ever need. rockauto.com. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are joined by Will Scouch, the founder of Scouching and a video analysis for uh, McKean's Hockey. And he's helping us break down the profiles of LaCaramacchi and Brad Lambert. Um, Scotty, I think I'm actually good on LaCaramacchi. Do you have any other questions to? No, I, I think I'm good. The, the only other thing I uh, really wanted to bring up was just the um, you know, h- h- being a good finisher and everything, like maybe that would lead to a higher floor, but the ceiling's a question mark. But I, I mean, I honestly, I think we knocked all that out uh, in, in the first segment. So I think we're good. All right. Awesome. Um, so let's then move into a guy that Will is just so high on. And you know what? You're not the only one. I don't <laughs> know pumped. Who, who. So first question, who started the Brad Lambert hype train? Because we've spoken to Sam McGilligan and Tony Ferrari, and they all say, that you guys are like talk to talk to each other and one of you guys started like the this yeah. is the guy which one of you guys started the brad lambert hype train i don't think it was that so much as everyone dropped off and we stayed on the bus ah, um interesting i mean like a year ago people were talking about shane wright brad lambert matthew savoy boom 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 that's your top three and it's why i always 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 refuse to speculate on drafts a year in advance because you never know how things are going to change um yeah, and and I think I think it didn't take very long for people to go, oh, Brad Lambert's not very good. You know, yeah. he's having a, a rough year, blah blah blah, and just drop off, drop off the train. But I do talk to those guys a lot, um, 
and we we constantly have been sending stuff back and forth of like you know i watch lambert i watch lambert I, I saw this i saw this i saw this and we just keep circling around and, and going like we're not crazy right like he's not he hasn't forgotten how to play hockey right and i think everybody in that circle is kind of still in agreement of like yeah like I mean, we can get into it. Like, I mean, let's, let's ride. Uh, he, let's ride, baby. Let's ride. Yeah. Like he's, he's, I mean, I can't help but think he's one of the most misunderstood players in the entire draft this year. Like I talked to an NHL person today and they don't expect him to go in the first round at all. Wow. And, and, and I, I mean, I just can't help but think that that's an absolutely absurd overcorrection on, on where he actually should be valued. It's fascinating. Like at McKean's, we just did our, scout survey of like who has the best tools of various different categories and it's in the it's in the draft guide now and brad lambert was like number one in fastest skater most agile best skill level you know all those things he was like pinned up near the top and yet he's a guy that might not go in the first round so and and i i, I think people are looking at his lack of point production and going well he must not whatever be that good yeah be that good and i i we'll get into it. But I also would say to those people, it's like, well, look at Yuri Slavkovsky, same points per game during the season. And everyone's putting him at number two, you know, and, and if Brad Lambert were to go to the Olympics and play for Finland against that type of competition, I feel like he would have played pretty well, you know? And anyway, we're that's besides the point that's speculative. Well, can I ask one quick question? <laughs> yeah. Do, how much of it also do you think is like, what we'll call the Moritz Sider effect in the fact that he's playing for the Finnish league where Moritz Sider played for the DEL less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Less well-known leagues. Like if you're looking at European leagues, people usually tend to go to the Swedish league, the SHL as like the premier yeah. European league. Do you think that there's a little bit of a, oh, he's playing for Finland and he doesn't have the point production in Finland. So maybe he's just not as good as we thought. I think people are coming to the, I think people are coming to the understanding that Finland is very noisy. Um, some players produce really, really well there and kind of struggle, right? Like Capo Caco has taken some time to get his feet under him and get going in the NHL. But I mean, he's, he's a great player, but I, you know, he's taken some time, but Alex Barkov, same thing, actually, Alex Barkov, the first little bit he was in the NHL, he was fine, but wasn't Alex Barkov yet, but he also played very, very well in his draft year in Finland. Um, but also it, it's, it's a little, I think people are starting to realize that there's a lot of context in Finland, like Atu Ratu had the season he had last year and he didn't really produce all that well, but he moved to a new team that gave him first line minutes and he's a point per game. Um, you know, I, I, I and with Brad Lambert, I'm a hundred percent certain that the situation that a player can be put in, like it's such a great case study of the situation a player can be put in can artificially make them look better or worse depending on who they're playing with, how their team plays. And he's just such an extreme example that it's like a teachable moment, in my opinion. Um, and I'll just go through the, the the quick, on my end, the nerdy data side of things. So he he started the year playing for Juveskala, which was a young team. They weren't very good. Um, they, 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 they acquired a bunch of young players over the last little while to like give them a chance in the Liga. And they don't play very well, but it's fun to see young players playing together and everything. Um, and his shot metrics were bad with that team, like going either direction. Um, it, it just wasn't great. And, and, you know, you can tell immediately like, okay, if you have a guy who's, you know, this heralded, not really driving a whole lot of dangerous offense and things in his own end is not going so well, this guy might actually suck. 
And, but then when I look at him and I started looking at the data, I saw a kid who was involved in, I believe at the time, about 40% of his team's offensive transitions, which is absurd for a men's league player. Like usually that number is closer to 30, 35%, especially in the men's leagues. Like Lakaramaki, for example, is down around 24. Um, And defensively, Brad Lambert also is really involved in that play as well. But on those offensive transitions, he maintained control over 80% of the time, which in conjunction with that much involvement is unheard of in the men's leagues. Um, You know, you have a guy who completed over 80% of his passes at that level uh, in that situation. They weren't, they weren't the most complicated passes in the world, but he knew how to keep possession of the puck. Well, you know, it it can't be understated too, just because a pass isn't like, threading the needle doesn't mean it wasn't a smart play. No. There is something to be said about making the smart, easy play over yes. the complicated thread, the needle passes 100%. And so he was, he wasn't getting the results. He was getting his chances, but the results just weren't there. And he was doing what he could. I mean, I watched one game. I think one game he was playing with Jerry Turkalainen and Patrick Puistola, who are two. One is a really good established Liga player in Turkalainen, who I think NHL teams should be asking about and have been saying that for years. The other is Patrick Puistola, who's a legitimate NHL prospect that can finish. And Lambert played really well with them. His best numbers came playing with that group, but then they pulled him off that line and put him with, uh, I want to say, someone named Reed Gardner, who was like a bottom six AHL guy last year in Vancouver system, and someone else I can't remember. And they just are Liga guys. Like they're just dudes and they're just, it just dudes. wasn't, they're just dudes. And it wasn't a very good fit. Lambert was driving a lot of the offense that was dangerous with him on the ice. And there was not much else happening, but he wasn't getting rewarded for it. He was snake bitten. Joe Kim Kamel was not everything he touched went in at the early part of the season. So the two of them ended up switching spots basically. And when, but when Lambert left, and went to Lati, which is also a not a very good Liga team. Um, things just got went terribly. Like his everything across the board just basically made him look like he could be anyone else. Um, that offensive transition game evaporated. The offense evaporated as a whole. Um, every single game I tracked from one through seven, his team shot the puck less and less and less and less and less and less with him on the ice. And it and it just dwindled. I mean, with with the four games I tracked with him and with with Lottie, every single dangerous shot attempt they took was off his stick, and there were only two of them. Um, and I mean, I, I've said this a few times in the last couple of weeks, but I've caught them doing this with their junior team and their men's team. But they break the puck out in a horizontal line. Like if they are resetting below the goal line with a defenseman carrying the puck all five skaters line up on the goal line, like a CFL, like a Canadian football league offense and go together. And I and, learned that not to do that in youth hockey. Yeah. Like you, you, he's, <laughs> and they, they took him out. They took him off center. Like I love when he plays center, give him some open ice, give him some time and space to play with the puck. And they took that away from him. They put him on the wing. Uh, and in a breakout system like that with no momentum and it's so easily countered, um, by doing basically any defensive structure could probably counter a a horizontal breakout. Uh, They really struggled to get the puck up the ice. He was very rarely involved. Um, Defense. Some defensemen in the Liga are just shockingly timid and will dump the puck basically from anywhere uh, in order to avoid missing on a pass. Like I've seen Brad Lambert spin off of coverage in the neutral zone and make himself an easy target for a breakout 
and the guy just dumps it down the ice and for an icing. It sounds and like you're describing like, my men's league team. Exactly. And it's like, I don't even know. <laughs> and, and Lambert and it's is like, Brian. And these, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and these things, these things are like obvious to me. Like it makes me feel crazy because I'm like, how could anyone, how could anyone have success here? Like if this guy were playing with the Saskatoon Blades who own his, his CHL rights and a guy like Tristan Robbins is on his wing or, or whatever, he's going to score a hundred points. Like it's, it's so clear that he'll at least get the chance to produce a lot more than he did with this team. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just like, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, then I've got a lot to think about. I think, I think the negatives people bring up about Lambert are legitimate. There are some things that he does that are frustrating. He can hang on to pucks for too long. He can overhandle. He can skate into too much pressure. He can take on too much on his own and kind of have trouble, you know, just settling into the game and driving good results. And that's absolutely true. But on the other hand, I still look at him and I go, yeah, but what's he supposed to do, right? Like, who is he going to pass the puck to? What, Like, at times he has clear passing options and scoring areas and he ignores them. That's frustrating, for sure. But lots of people have that issue. You know, lots of young players try to do that if they feel like they're on an island. Um, and and the last and the other thing I'm hearing a lot is that there's like attitude problems and that his parents are too involved in his career. I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The number of overbearing, insane hockey parents in this area of the world that just would probably annoy NHL teams uh, is probably the it would probably surprise a lot of people. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear that there are hockey parents that are overbearing. So why is it that a Finnish kid is the, is the problem? The one, right? Like it's, it's, and, you know, bad, bad people can exist that play hockey in North yeah. America too. It's not, it's not exclusively a foreign issue. And also I've never heard anything that substantiates any of those things. Like, yeah, it's it, all just like hearsay at this point. Yeah. Um, real, let me interrupt real quick. I do got to yeah, do, do one more ad read. Um, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Betonline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Betonline.net has the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, we're segment three here, a little abbreviated segment three, locked on Red Wings. We were joined by Will Scouch, who is the founder of Scouching and the head of video analysis for McKean's Hockey. We're talking about center slash right wing Brad Lambert. He's six foot and 183 pounds. He played in the Finnish league this season. Uh, two different teams didn't have, see a whole lot of success production wise, but Will is sold on the fact that this guy is a legitimate top 10 talent. Um, my question, I guess here's another question too, for a guy like you, who, who's seen a lot of him, he's listed here on elite prospects as a center slash right wing, the Red Wings desperately, obviously you always draft based on who is, you know, best available. That's the, always the best philosophy. A lot of people go at, did he play more center or right wing? Cause the Red Wings desperately need center depth. So largely with Yveskula, he was playing center most of the time that I remember watching him, but that was also months ago, so I could be wrong. But I have him in my tracking documents as center first, right wing later. So okay. generally, I order it based on the more that I'm seeing of one position over the other. I don't see him as, I don't know, I could see him being a winger, but I would really, really, really try to make it work up the middle with him because he is such a great open ice player that can quarterback play up the ice. 
you know, the guy, I mean, it's funny that we're watching the Stanley cup finals and the guy that he reminds me of, again, he reminds me of this player, but it's not that I'm making a comparison because I need to use that disclaimer all the time, but he really reminds me of Nathan McKinnon where, where you've got speed for days. You've got just a willingness to attack the offensive zone with speed. And when I watch Nathan McKinnon's skill, it's not the it's not the least janky skill I've ever seen. Like it's it's a little bit ha- hairy at times, like pulling pucks in weird ways. But he does it because it works. It it just like he he's a powerful skater in a straight line. And I think with Lambert, he doesn't have that Trevor Zegras level dangle skill, but he just has this high intensity, powerful skill to him that just forces pucks through pressure and everything. And I feel like those two players are sort of cut from the same cloth. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, 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 I know what I, but I know what you mean. It's, it's yeah. Uh, well, and I, the thing about the Nathan days. McKinnon, uh, <laughs> comparison too, I find interesting is people often forget that it, it did take Nathan McKinnon some time to become Nathan McKinnon. Like he it was did. always a very talented player, but it took him until his what sixth year, fifth year in the NHL, fifth year in the NHL to approach a hundred points. He had 97 yep. points in 17, 18. He came in the league, played 82 games and won the Calder in 13, 14 with only 63, I say only, but with 63 points and then saw a, you know, a step back in production the next three seasons getting 38, 52, 53. So it took him a while to figure it out. And so sometimes going after a guy like Brad Lambert, who again, making that comparison is kind of, it is a little dangerous because Nathan McKinnon is, you know, top tier talent, but it's okay to draft a guy and then it take a few years to figure it out. And we're kind of going through that with, Philip Zadina as we hope he figures yeah, it out. Like but. that's, and that's the thing everybody has to keep in mind, right? Like the, the number one thing that always scares me with drafting and, and transitioning to the NHL is that it happens so fast for some guys. Yeah. Like it, you gotta take your time. Like these guys, and even with the guys in the NHL, like people are so impatient to write guys off and we'll just go, well, like, yeah, we had two years, I guess the call it a day. <laughs> like I live in Toronto Timothy Lilligren went straight to the Toronto Marlies after being drafted. And I get the feeling that if I'm just throwing this out there, if Brad Lambert's there at 25 or whatever it is for Toronto, I could easily see them doing the exact same thing with him that they did with Lilligren and saying, forget about the WHL. You're coming straight to the NHL, like the, or the, the AHL at least. And we're going to leave you there and help you figure it out. You know, if there are problems, we'll help you figure them out. If it's all just conjecture based on how bad your teams were over in Finland, then great, you're an AHL player already, and and we've got a great player at 25th overall. And Liljegren spent four years with the Marlies, four full seasons, and I heard, and he's only 22 or 23 now, and I heard so many people going, "Oh, this is it. This is his year. If he's not playing in the NHL, he's toast. This is it. It's it. This has to be it." And he had an okay first half. Once he got comfortable, tremendous second half. Yeah, like, he got Calder tremendous. votes. Tremendous. Yeah, he got Calder votes, and for good reason. He was tremendous, and they benched him in the playoffs, and I think they missed him. So I see it as like, you have to be patient with these guys. Like, you know, set your expectations reasonably and expect them over time to sort of get through it. Right. Like you'll be a lot calmer and it'll be, it'll, it'll be a lot, you know, more healthy for you to, to, <laughs> to think about it that way. And, and he might be one of these guys that does need a bit of a reset, but with time, yeah, you could, you could extract a lot out of him. Like I've seen more than enough to convince me that if you get him anywhere past 10 or 12, or maybe a little bit later than that, like, I don't know, there's no real discussion. That's the guy that that's the guy that you draft. 
The only other question I have really is just with, you know, you talked about earlier with some people um, thinking that he's slipping, whether it's mocks or, or people in front offices or whatever. Does that change your opinion of the wings taking him with their first pick in the draft? Well, the wings, I mean, Steve Eisenman is not afraid to swing. He's not afraid, like Moritz Sider at six, you know, even Sebastian Kosa. Like, right. I still, I still a year later would have said Wallstead probably should be the guy, but Kosa at that pick was a bit of a swing. And like, if you get a good number one goalie out of it, then you're laughing. Um, so Eisenman is not afraid to go against the grain a little bit. And personally, I think Brad Lambert makes a ton of sense in Detroit. Like, I've been I've been thinking that Detroit kind of needs another one of these sort of Dylan Larkin clones up the middle. I've been I think I've said it on your show before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just an, they they just they have a lot of wingers. They've drafted a lot of that. They have defensemen that are on the way and already on the team that that are you know looking good. They've got Sebastian Kosa in, in the hopper in net. They they just seem to lack really really high pace play driving centers that I think you kind of need in the NHL these days. And Lambert is that, that's what he is. That's, that's his job. And the offensive side of the game, once the pucks in the offensive zone, yeah, the results weren't there this year. They just, they weren't, but I get the feeling if you put him on a line with like Lucas Raymond or something and give it a go in training camp or preseason or something and see how it goes, I get the feeling he'll have a little bit of an easier time generating offense with guys like that based on how he plays. Like if it's, if it's not so much a responsibility of say a guy like Raymond to get pucks in the offensive zone and you can give Lambert with his speed and open ice skill a little bit more of the keys to the car to sort of drive those results. You can make life easier for Raymond. You could, you know, get, get things moving in the offensive zone a little bit better. So to me, it it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it'll, it'll all just really depend on how things go at the end of the day. I mean, you know, maybe Iserman values other things that might think there might be someone else that we're not even thinking about that Iserman might have his eyes on and at, at, at whatever pick it is this year, I can't remember off the top of my head for eight. them. Eight. So maybe at eight, they're going to pick someone I have ranked at like 24 and I'll go, okay, that's a little strange, but I could, I guess I can see it. And they just vibe with the guy really well, like they did with Moritz Sider and they really believe in him and, and take him along slowly. And here you are. So I don't know. It, it, I think it's a good fit, um, but I have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I love the kid. I could talk about him all day. I it was great stuff, man. It's awesome. about all the time we got for uh, got for it today. But that was fantastic stuff, especially on Brad Lambert. I was really what wise decision to have you profile Brad Lambert. That's all I'll have to say. All day, baby. That was good all stuff. Day. All day. Um, all day. Thanks so much, Will, for coming on. Go ahead. What are you working on right now? Again, where where can people find you on Twitter? Oh. God. Uh, well, there's a lot going on. So loaded question, uh, apparently. Yeah. I mean, it's busy season, right? So, yeah. uh, scouting reports, I am filming the last one tomorrow. Uh, final rankings will be out soon. Uh, the McKean's draft guide just came out. So be sure to pick that up as well. Uh, I'll be doing a mock draft live on the, uh, YouTube channel tomorrow nice. night, tw- the 23rd of June with the community, which is always a good time. Uh, what else is happening? Um, I'm already forgetting. There's a bunch of data tools as well that have come out that you can find on my Twitter page. I believe they're pinned to the uh, to my profile page. Just basically a lot of the tracked data that goes into the video reports that I make, as well as some other players that I've tracked a lot of captured in visualization format. 
Um, you can also directly support me on Patreon or on my YouTube membership from any YouTube video uh, where you'll get access to all kinds of perks, uh, data sheets and Discord servers and all kinds of fun stuff. So you can check that out as well. But I think I think that's it for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, love it. Uh, again, thanks for coming on, man. That was really informative. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you, you, you guys on, you will, uh, you being will, uh, yes, Sam me. and, you know, Tony Ferrari, all you guys are just super informative. So it's always a pleasure to have you guys on. So thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure. Anytime guys. All right. Uh, we'll be back with a new episode tomorrow, but before I send you off, thanks for making lockdown Red Wings your first listen every day. Now make your second listen lockdown NHL lockdown NHL covers the playoffs like no other hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Scotty, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow, you and me. And uh, we will. <laughs> same time. I, I'm like very awkward for some reason on this send off. It's like finding, <laughs> having trouble like formulating the sentences. You're right. But we'll be back tomorrow doing we, we our job. We will be back do tomorrow doing our job. Uh, same time, same place. It's your team every, every day. day.